You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. So I have to say happy uh, Mother's Day to everyone, and especially I would be remiss if I did not uh, publicly acknowledge that uh, I know of no mom that is as fierce and as uh, selfless and Christ-like in uh, loving our daughters and uh, so many daughters in the faith as Trey. So I want to say happy Mother's Day to the greatest mother in the world, which is Tracina Renee Holland right here. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just true. And I got the mic, so I'm going to say it. Uh, but also I want to say thank you um, to all of you that are mothers in the faith, to so many, and I want to say a uh, special, uh, echo what Trey said, uh, to Ruben, Marina, uh, just how you guys have loved our kids and how you uh, have been such a great example. The future is in great hands. The present and the future are in great hands, and we're grateful for you guys, grateful for the whole Deonda family, whom I love and have a lot of history with. And, of course, I want to thank uh, the Eads, the Plymels, people that have all poured into their lives and our lives, and the Russells, uh, Greg and Dawn, have been so great uh, just, just taking care of Ken. I'm so proud of Ken, the whole worship team. Uh, Derek is here, the greatest son-in-law in the world, Tori, greatest first daughter, Ken, the greatest second daughter, and uh, I'm trying to cover it all, like make sure there's no no drama or no, you know, negative energy at lunch later, so uh, trying to do that. Um, so I'll tell you a story, um, I uh, had a 10-speed, I don't know if people still ride 10 speeds anymore, but I had a, a Swin, is, is that a, uh, that's a good brand? Okay, so I had a blue Swin Continental 10 speed back, uh, you know, before the internet existed a few years ago when I was in uh, eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. And my friend Eric Albert, and uh, uh, he had an orange Swin Continental, and Alvin Lee had a green Swin Continental, and we would ride, we grew up in Chicago, and uh, for those of you who know Chicago, big, lake, beautiful uh, lake shore, and we would uh, drive, ride from the south side all the way uh, to downtown and beyond downtown, it's just glorious, we were, you know, three guys just taking over the world, uh, seeing the city, and I have fond memories even now, many, many years later, I have, when I think of those times, it puts a, brings a smile to my face. I had one unfortunate time riding this 10-speed when I actually flipped over on the 10-speed. Now, if you can't exactly picture that, you at least know it's not good. You know, that's, that's, a, that's not a, a positive uh, experience. And so I don't know what exactly happened. I must have hit something in the road, and I, my bike flipped over, and uh I was, uh, had a concussion, second, first of two concussions, uh, but I had a concussion. I remember my dad coming over like, so how did you do this? You know, how did this happen? Uh, but he took care of me and he, you know, took me back to the house and I still, to this day, I mean, I'm, I was okay. It, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, but it was bad enough. And I still, to this day, have a scar on my right shoulder from that um, fall many years ago. But it doesn't affect me emotionally. I don't look back on it and cringe. I don't have any physical pain and I don't have any emotional pain from that. Uh, what I do have emotional pain from is from a time in, uh, it, uh, actually later in my eighth grade year where my 10 speed was stolen. 
And it's interesting that, uh, you know, you can replace, you know, and I loved it. I mean, I loved it. And it was sort of my first, like, really? Uh, so, uh, but if you think about this physical wound, which was more physically painful at the time, right? But years later, I don't I have a scar, but I don't feel anything from it. And yet when I look back at that soul wound or heart wound of having something that I cared about taken uh, unjustly, that still affects me emotionally when I think about it decades later. And today I want to talk about something that I know uh, we all deal with to one degree or another, and that is the idea of how do you deal with physical wounds and how do you deal with soul wounds or spiritual wounds or heart wounds? Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Raise your hand if you're a medical professional uh, in here. You know something. Okay, we've got a few. Okay, don't throw any tomatoes up here. I'm going to try to talk about uh, physical, how the body deals with physical wounds. But if I don't get it exactly 100% right, please work with me, okay? Everybody say, work with me, all right? Work with me. So, um, so what I know is that there are all kinds of physical wounds. There are contusions. There are abrasions. There are avulsions, there are lacerations, there are punctures, you can have a thermal wound, you can have a chemical wound, uh, you can have um, uh, bites and uh, sting, you know, get stung, and all of these wounds affect us. A typical wound, if it's sort of, you know, like, like mid-level severity, will take one to four weeks to heal. If someone has a surgery and it's a deep tissue wound, then that takes typically six to eight weeks to heal. Now, if you have, let, let's say, you know, uh, you cut your finger or something um, and you have this kind of wound, what happens immediately is you bleed. OK, and so the body has this plan for healing uh, physical scars. If you cut yourself or you have one of those abrasions or lacerations or whatever, then immediately you start to bleed, right? And then in a few minutes, the blood begins to clot, and that's the first step. Then you have swelling, right? Everybody's familiar with this, right? All of us are aware of this. You have swelling, and that is where uh, you get this clear fluid that's produced, and this happens over a few days, over uh, several days. As the uh, white blood cells, and as the, the, they're working to deal with the infection and to uh, sort of clean the wound bed. And that happens, that go, happens over several days. Then there's tissue reformation, which is, I mean, DNA is amazing. The body is remarkable. And so tissue begins to reform, and this can take a few weeks. And it's sort of the granulation of, let's say, the skin or whatever, the upper layer uh, begins to thicken and cover the area. And then the last thing that happens is scar formation. And depending on the severity of the wound, the scar can take anywhere from two weeks. And actually, scars can take two years to heal. And uh, sometimes, if the, if the wound isn't that deep, then, uh, you know, it can heal over time. And you put cocoa butter on it, you can't even tell, right, uh, in, in a while. But then there are other scars, like the one that I have on my shoulder, where the wound was so severe that the skin that replaces it does not, the, the exact, uh, what it replaces, it doesn't look exactly like that. And so we have scars, but the body has a way of physically healing 
itself, correct? Raise your hand if you have a scar. Anybody, okay, everybody look around. Okay, so, so that's kind of all of us. Uh, anybody want to share where your, your favorite scar is? And let's, you know, let's keep it appropriate. But, uh, so I have one on my shoulder. Uh, anybody, somebody have one, let's say, uh, arm? Where's your? Left forearm? Okay. From what? Okay. And that's bad. You know you're in a hurry when you, you I've done that. I'll be bleeding. Trey's like, why are you bleeding? I don't know. I don't know what I hit. Okay. So left forearm. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, right here. Low back. Low back. Okay. From? Ooh. Okay. Let's hear it from my man. We're going to be successful. Okay. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. It's great to see you. Much respect to you. Yes, right here. Your knee? Knee surgery? No. No? Ooh, okay. But you live to tell. All right. I miscalculated. I've done that before. Yes, uh, right here. Ooh. But you still have it, correct? Right? You still got it. All right. <laughs> who, who has hit their thumb with a hammer? And I know none of us uttered any inappropriate language because we are all Jesus followers. But we may have thought it, but we said no, and we didn't do it. Okay. Uh, any more? Right here. Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now that is an example of four aiding Philippians. Whatever is good. That is a great example of a glass half full dude right there. So, so thank you. Thank you for participating. So here's, here's the point in all of this. Number one, we all, all of us, you know, the vast majority have scars and uh, we're actually not that uh, bashful if you know, appropriate to talk about them. That's a normal part of life. Physical wounds happen. And any five-year-old knows if you cut, if you scrape yourself or you cut your finger, you go in the bathroom, you get soap and water, you wash it, you clean it, then you go get some Neosporin or Bacitracin or something, put it on there, and then you put a Band-Aid on there, correct? And we all know that, but does, do five-year-olds, when you were five, did anybody ever teach you how to, you had physical hygiene, but did anybody teach you how to have heart hygiene or soul hygiene or how to heal a soul wound? Nobody taught us that, correct? And to one degree or another, many years later, many of us, I would say all of us, have wounds physical and also wounds of the soul. And I will tell you this. The latter take much longer to heal. Honestly, most of us don't have expertise in knowing how to do that. It's interesting. We've noticed, has anybody noticed the, the thing called the Me Too movement, right? Uh, anybody, is that familiar? Where, where there's been a sea change in our country and um, uh, sexual abuse and just sexual harassment that has gone undealt with for many years. There's been sort of a hinge point in history. And I'm, I'm really grateful that now 
people who have been perpetrating these evils are being called to task and are, are being held accountable after many years of just, uh, you know, flying under the radar. And if you've noticed, there have been prominent philanthropists, uh, politicians, business people, beloved uh, actors and actresses and musicians and so forth, accomplished titans of industry and, and these kinds of people. And you, you, you almost can't believe that these people that you saw, you know, news anchors, beloved news anchors, trusted, you know, uh, figures, you can't believe that they would have this kind of behavior, correct? You've had that feeling, right? That's what that tells me is these people have and had wounds and scars that they did not know how to deal with or they didn't get dealt with. And that level of non-resolution and pain and guilt and resentment and just the, the evil within, undealt with, untended to, the wound, the, the, the soul wound festers and gets more infected. And then that disease grows up and that, that manifestation comes out. And this just isn't for, you know, this is not like some, oh, we just be, just man up, just be a man, just be tough, don't be strong, don't be a punk, don't be, you know, weak. Just, you know, yeah, life's hard, just go through it and, 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 and power through it, right? And that, that's somehow times how we think. And that exact kind of misdiagnosis causes these very accomplished people to ruin their lives and ruin other people's lives because of wounds that are not dealt with. In the scriptures, uh, there, is a fam- there are many famous uh, people, and in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, perhaps no one is more famous than King David. Raise your hand if you heard of King David, just so we, I know we're tracking together. Okay, He's the guy that you know, killed Goliath as a teenager, who was a man's man, who was a great poet, poet uh, writer, musician, statesman. He was not weak. You could say a lot of things about David, but one thing you could say is he was not afraid of danger, right? And he was not weak. And yet this is what he said and wrote in Psalm 109. It's up here on the screen. As he was being chased and tormented as a fugitive by the king that he was to replace, King Saul. He says, but you, sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I love it when the characters in the scriptures prove the validity and truthfulness of who they are by being honest about what they're, what's going on. And if, if you're maybe you're not a Jesus follower, you're not a Bible believer, I would encourage you to actually read it for yourself. And ask yourself, does this read as true? I love reading the, script, the characters in the Bible because it's not like they're glossed over. It's not like they are, you know, photoshopped in terms of their character. The good, the bad, and the ugly is seen. And here, David is being vulnerable and it says, God, I know, you know, you, you anointed me king uh, through Samuel and all these things, but my heart's wounded within me. And I need your help. And I know that there are many in here, you know, one one of my mentors says that everybody has a hidden hurt. He said, well, I don't want to come to church and get all heavy and be talking about wounds and hurt. Well, if we don't talk about it here, where else are we going to talk about it? The point is not to 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 to, uh, you know, get down everybody to pressure. The point is to let's acknowledge what we're feeling beneath the surface. 
so that we can go to someone who can heal us, which we'll talk about later. I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there a wound? Is my heart or my soul, am I dealing with a wound right now? If so, there is hope for you. That's part of the reason that you're here today. I love this passage in Matthew 13. Uh, Matthew is one of the, the, the seven authors of the New Testament, one of the four authors of Jesus' account, uh, accounts of Jesus' life. And he writes about, uh, he's talking, Jesus is talking, and he would always tell stories and he'd tell parables, right? And um, they would sometimes be confusing. Ever read something in the Bible that confused you? Raise your hand if you've done that. Okay, well, you're in good company because these guys, these disciples half the time were like, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. So you're in good company. And he would tell stories and he talked about different levels of receptivity among people that would hear the word of God. And so he's talking about people are like, you know, the seed, the word of God is like seed that a farmer sows and some of it falls on rocky soil and some of it on good soil and some of it on the path, so forth and so on. And he's teaching these guys in parables talking about some people's hearts are more open to God's truth than others. And the disciples said, what in the world are you talking about? Why do you always talk to us in parables? Can you just tell us the straight truth and not tell us stories that we can't understand? You know, we're not that bright, you know. So anyway, so. Jesus explains to them why he teaches in parables, and he says this, and them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, and he's referring to a prophet in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. I think it's Isaiah 65. I can't remember exactly. But the prophecies, he's fulfilling a prophecy, and he's saying, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. Ever met someone like that? Like, I hear, but I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, uh, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For these people's hearts have become calloused. Our ears are connected to our hearts. They won't tell you that in the science, magazine, uh, 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 science book, but it's true. The degree of heart health affects if we can hear the truth. And if our heart isn't healthy, no matter how much truth is being taught, we can't hear. For these people's hearts become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And what would Jesus do? Would he condemn them? Would he berate them? Would he get down on them? Would he give up on them? No, he said, I would heal them. Jesus came to heal. He didn't come to harm he didn't come, I'm already feeling terrible about myself. And some people have that view about coming to church. Let me go to church so I can hear again how messed up I am and how hopeless my life is. Jesus came to heal. But people's hearts were not open to the healing he wanted to bring. Because part of the healing was getting them to look at what they were doing themselves to injure themselves. You know what? There's another kind of wound I forgot to talk about. It's a self-inflicted wound. Hitting your thumb with a hammer, you know, stubbing your toe in the middle of the night, you know, and trying to remember you're a Christian and behaving that way, you know. Um, but honestly, in my life, the wounds that, that, I, that, that are, are most painful, I look about, are self-inflicted wounds. Decisions I made that harm myself. I remember the first time I was dishonest with my mom. I remember the first time I was impure. In high school. And it's interesting, you know, you don't you, you think about, OK, man, I remember when I, I stubbed my toe. I remember when I had that minor surgery. But we don't remember unless we really think about it. 
that first time we do, we did not what the scriptures say is wrong, but what we ourselves in our souls knew was wrong. Now we think, well, Christianity is just a bunch of do's and don'ts and God just gives us a roadmap that we can't follow because he's not forced. No, God says, I don't, I want you to avoid certain things so that you don't wound your own soul. It's not that I'm trying to keep you from enjoying your life. I'm trying to keep you from hitting your, you know, metaphorical thumb with a hammer. Because years later, people spend millions of dollars in getting help and and medicating and, and all kinds of stuff and bad behavior because they have forgotten how many times since they first violated their soul, that, that soul sensitivity, that conscience. And it makes me sad when I think about those things. Thank uh, goodness for the grace of God. But that is what Jesus, he's saying. You've got to look at those things first for me to be able to heal you. I'm not going to be able to help you heal until you first acknowledge the wound and you also acknowledge the source. And so Jesus came to heal. Okay, that's you. Do you recognize yourself? You are skinny and you have a big head. Anybody know anybody like that? Don't mention their name. So, but uh, in this illustration, it explains the spiritual truth, and actually it's, it's the way that the, the biblical authors explain the different parts of us as humans, right? Spirit, we are spirit, soul, and body. And this graphic really explains it uh, in a way that really makes sense to me and that I like, and that right now you are uh, three part, there are three parts of you, okay? Soma is the Greek word for body, and you have a body, and it has nerves, senses, cells, organs, brain, and so forth. Okay, so that is a part of you and, God, and being a human being. That's a part of us. But then there is also the part of us that is a spirit. Okay, now, the spirit part of us is that immaterial part of us that can connect with the spirit of God because God is a spirit. He's not visible, correct? And so the part of us Our bodies don't connect with the spiritual, invisible, immaterial God, but our spirits can. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the part of us that that connects with the spirit of God. We have spirits, but we are not spirits. Does that make sense? We have spirits. But the third element is the soul. Okay, and the soul... As, as it shows here, subconscious mind, beliefs, attitudes, feelings, emotions, memories, will, choices, conscience, mind, thinking, reasoning. Uh, the heart is included in this part. That is the part of us that is the truest us. So the way to, to think about it is we have a body, but we are not a body. We have a body, but we're not a body. We have a spirit, but we are not a spirit. But we have, we don't have souls. We are a soul. The truest, deepest part of who we are is a soul. It means a life animation. And so when the body passes, the soul escapes the body, but the soul lives forever. That's the biblical view. Okay. So if that is the truest part of us, wouldn't it behoove us to understand what wounds the truest part of us and how we can go about availing ourselves to healing of that truest part. 
I love this passage. Anybody read 3 John lately? Those of you that have ADD and your attention span is like that, you would love 3 John because it's really short, you know, and you can get in and get out. This is the Apostle John, one of Jesus' best friends and, and main leaders, and he's writing this many years after Jesus uh, has uh, resurrected and, and left earth and so forth to some Asian Christians and, he, and to this guy Gaius. He says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Isn't that an interesting turn of a phrase? He says, I hope you're doing well, and I I pray that you enjoy good health. I hope you're feeling better. And, you know, it's been talking about different, I appreciate the prayer earlier, about different ones of us going through health challenges. As a faith community, we've got the next generation rising up. It's great to see so many. But then we've got our, my, my generation, others, getting older and dealing with more health challenges, more loss of loved ones. That's where we are. It is the circle of life. And the, this physical tent was never designed to last forever, though when you're younger, you feel like you're invincible. Then you get older and you hurt yourself sleeping. You know, you don't know what, what's wrong with me. Like, I'm like, Trey, what did I do? I was just sleeping. Anyway, that part of me, and it's cool, Trace made a great point recently. She said the soul doesn't age even though the body does. And he says, Gaius, I hope your soul is getting along well. Isn't that interesting? So the question would be, how is your soul getting along today? Say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Okay, well, then do you believe that you are in your elbow? Who you are, is that your elbow? Is that your right foot? Is that your, are you your left knee? I mean, we all know we are what we can't see. That's who the truest part of us is. And he's like, I want you to know how to get along well in that part of you. So how is your soul getting along? When's the last time you were at the, you know, uh, school and at work? Hey, so how's it going? How are the Dodgers doing? How's your soul getting along? You know, people don't talk in that way. <laughs> but, but I will tell you. There's something about it, even for the least, less religious of us, it rings true. Because we know we're more than biology, chemistry, and physics. I want to give you these six core soul wounds, and I know there are more. But these have been, you know, in, in the psychological community and the medical community, common soul wounds. The first one is rejection. And when you're rejected as a child, when you're teased, when you are rejected by a parent, um, it causes a soul wound that years, decades later, still affects you, affects me. Abandonment. Maybe a parent abandoned you. Maybe someone who was a good friend turned on you. Humiliation. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe you were teased. And talk about a society that is rank with people just not refusing to honor the dignity of human personality, even if they, you know, just because someone disagrees with them or looks different than them. And those things wound. 
loss, a loss of a dream, a loss of a job, a loss of a friendship, a loss of a beloved one. And all of us know when you lose somebody, it doesn't go away. You, you learn to move on, but it, that part of you is gone. Betrayal. Anybody been betrayed before? Okay. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it, there's a pain. You know, you can't hurt. If someone doesn't have proximity to, you know, the close part of you, the, you know, the intimate part of you, they can't really hurt you. But when you give someone access to that part of you and they betray that trust, it is soul crushing. What's also soul crushing is when you or I, despite our best intentions, because of our character or lack thereof, have betrayed other people. And them forgiving us and us forgiving ourselves. And then the last one is injustice. And I know that many of us are like that when, when you, you know, you, you can't even watch the news because just rank injustice happens. And, you know, you just, hey, and someone says, well, what does it matter? It doesn't, they're not, you know, your life is good. You're protected. You're safe. You know, um, MLK said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That, that, you know why? Because there's a part of our souls that knows it's not right. And it wounds us and affects us. And the reason I'm doing all of this is so that we will perhaps be able to identify, maybe that's what's up with me. If you, if you feel like you have to be in control all the time, if you are distant from people, if you don't trust, if you put up walls, uh, so forth and so on, it might be because you have an undressed or untreated wound that you need to pay attention to. So just consider that. Okay. I love this passage, and Reuben was telling me that this is, like in, in some ways a theme passage of the Greater Long Beach Church. But by the way, I love this church. This is like you guys are in my top, I don't know how many, top five, I don't know, top three. Um, so I love you guys because, you, because I think that you, there's a right way to treat people, and I think that you do that. So thank you. Jesus said this, and this hopefully will give you hope. I want you to have hope, okay? I, wanna, I, I don't want us, you know, I want us to have hope. This is what Jesus says, come to me. This famous statement, all you who are weary and burdened, and I would add wounded, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that? Jesus, you you will find rest for your body, because you know what? You can get eight hours of sleep and wake up and still be exhausted, because your soul and my soul are not at peace. And as, you know, as Jesus follows, if you're a guest and, you know, someone's trying to stay the Bible with you, someone's trying to say, hey, will you open up your life? I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you to follow Jesus. It is so you can find soul rest. It's not to, you know, make your life harder. He says, yeah, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. There are some responsibilities. But... The end result will be rest for your soul. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, if you ever had a job to do or a task to complete that you loved and it didn't feel like work and you, could, you lost track of time and you could do it all day because you loved it, it did something for you. It lifted your spirit. That is what the, uh, following Jesus is meant to do and should do. There's a passage in Luke 15, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. 
And most people are familiar with that. And it's interesting. The son, you know, takes all the father's money, squanders it, and then comes back home. He has a, a, a um, you know, come to Jesus moment. He has a moment of clarity and realizes my best thinking has gotten me in the pig pen. Maybe I should listen to somebody else because I'm not that smart. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in a pig pen asking Luke 15. You can read it. Asking to eat what the pigs are eating. But then he says he comes back to his father and he says, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against heaven and against you. It's interesting. I've sinned against you, but I've sinned against heaven. Something else he could have added. I've sinned against my own soul. And that's what Jesus he says. I don't want you to keep sinning against your own soul, hurting yourself. Yes, there's forgiveness. Yes, there's grace. You can't do anything. You can't mess up any number of times that would cause God not to love you. But you can lessen the degree of soul damage you inflict on yourself by changing how you live. Soul rest. So I'm going to leave you with this. Healing begins by addressing the wounds within. Have you ever been like, I don't want to go deep. Uh, uh, I don't want to have that talk. I mean, you know, I, I remember getting a diagnosis. I'm not a diagnosis, but feeling, feeling um, you know, needing to go to the doctor. You know that something happens to you physically that's different. And you have that feeling, oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. Oh, I don't want to go to the doctor. But then a part of you says, dude, go to the doctor. Because even if it's bad news, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. It's, if it's bad news, you either know it or not know it. It's better to know it because then you have a chance of getting it healed. Okay, let me show you something. This guy is Manny Rivera. He was baptized a couple of weeks ago, and he is a veteran, and he had to deal with overcoming some of the wounds you can imagine wounds that you get and issues you do things that happen to you in in the military correct but he uh came to jesus he was baptized he's a character like this picture you can tell by this picture so uh it's great him coming to a place where i'm coming to jesus to get a soul wound healed uh, um oh tanya artiga was baptized a couple sundays ago and uh, she came to church. She said she she had studied for about a year and she was going through a really, really challenging time. And she made the decision. I don't want Jesus just to be a part of my life, a prominent part of my life. But she wrestled with he needs to be all of my life. And there's a big difference there. She made that decision. She's doing really. But she had to deal with some of those wounds. In fact, I was talking to a, another woman who's a, a member. She said, I asked you, how are you doing? She says, you know what? I am doing great as a Christian. I'm doing great as a Jesus follower, but I got work to do in terms of soul wounds from the past. And if she's kind of, you know, ever been kind of stuck, you know what I mean? Like you're here, but you're stuck. And so proud of her for doing that. And uh, next person, this is George Minivar. He was baptized uh, last Sunday. Of course, you can't do just a trough. He's got to be in the Pacific Ocean. So he's doing his thing. I know you guys know all about that. Uh, just so inspiring. The younger guy, uh, Millennial, doing great, soul healing. Got his whole family, you know, love that. Uh, this is cool. They're actually, uh, we have service uh, half an hour after you do. And so today, this is Pandora Via Senior. To her right is her eldest son, Jarrell, and her uh, youngest son is Evan to the left. And what's so cool about this is Pandora uh, came to us, actually, I think it was, was it last year? Or is it this year she's going to be 10 years old? I can't remember. 
Last year, she was 10 years old. Both her son, Jarrell, and, and her, they celebrated their 10-year anniversary of uh, becoming Christians. And uh, Pandora's a single mom. She had Jarrell, I think, when she, she, he was 15. I mean, she, when she was 15, she had him. And so it's a great story. All of them are Jesus followers. She's married now. So great. And uh, there, Jarrell is married to heaven and now, and they are expecting their first child. I don't have heaven in the picture. I should have figured that out. I'm sorry. And I should have had a family picture. Sorry, Ken. But anyway, um, but this, this is cool. They're sharing this today. Uh, David Bruce is doing a message at Turning Point called Sacred Wounds. We've been trying to dig into this a little bit. Uh, but you can't see it, but on uh, Evan's upper left cheek, he has a scar. And it's from when he was four or five years old. His mom, Pandora, was... Uh, she was making bad choices and was involved in some bad habits. And in a rush to get out of the house, he was scarred, burned with a curling iron. And so you can imagine, those of you that have been around a curling iron, you know that is not a safe zone right there. So, uh, but so, so he's cut here. But it's interesting, in dealing with it later on, that scar has not scarred Evan. Because it doesn't represent pain and dysfunction, it represents what God did to save his family. And so that is the hope for all of us where, where yes, God can redeem those things. There is hope, there is genuine healing where what scarred us doesn't have to always scar us. We can be freed. And this is, uh, I, I don't want to say this is my favorite, this is one of my favorites. This is Stephen and Kim Thompson and their nine-year-old son, Jordan. And uh, he wrote me an email. We did a ser- I did a sermon, a version of this sermon a, while, a couple weeks ago. And he wrote me this email. And I know some of us were like, uh, I met, oh, man, oh, shoot. Where are you? Somebody was here since 2003. I see you. Remind me your name? Nicole. Okay, since 2003. Let's hear it for the veterans of the struggle, the, uh, the, the heroes and heroines who've been around for a while. Because you look at these people and they're like, yay, great, they're brand new disciples, yes. Some of us, they're a bit older. You know, it's great, brand new disciples, everything's good, the honeymoon's going, it's great, you haven't dealt with anything yet, right? No drama, right? And in, in some ways that is true, uh, but this guy has been a Christian 26 years, and he wrote this. He says, Kevin, I just want to encourage you to say how much I appreciate the message on Sunday. I reflected on the question and released a lot, or released the fact, the question that I'm about to ask you. He said, I reflected on the question you asked, and I released the fact that I have a lot of soul wounds, both before and as a Christ follower. Can anybody say, yep? Yeah. Right? It's not like you, you, you are saved. You, you get a father that will all, uh, never leave you a family that will always love you, forgiveness for your sins, a future that can't be taken from you, freedom from your past sins. Yes, but the process of healing is ongoing. Everybody say ongoing. It's ongoing. Salvation is a moment in time. Healing is ongoing. And he says, I I dealt with wounds both before and as a Christ follower. But as I look back and think of my 26 years in the faith, I saw for the first time the fruit being born from working through my pain with Jesus, as opposed to isolating the pain of loss, the pain of, of, you know, dealing with physical health challenges and so forth. 
He says, so I'm not completely healed. And that's okay. Thank goodness a 26-year-old, we can admit, we're not completely healed. I mean, God is going to be working on us the rest of our lives. He says, so I'm not completely healed, but I am responding to life from a healing heart. That's, that's what Jesus means for us. That's what he wants for us. Not that I'm completely healed, but I'm healed from, I'm healed, uh, responding to life from a healing heart. Below is a motto I've adopted. Uh, I'm sorry, below is a motto I adopted. It's called Kintsugi, and i got to show you this, and this changed my life. I have never gone to Pottery Barn or like a Bed Bath & Beyond, or, or what's a place that sells stuff like this, Pottery, I, mean, I don't know. I just don't go to those places, Coles and stuff. I mean, not voluntarily, you know, but uh, I, nothing, nothing wrong with them. It's just not my thing. Okay, but he says, below is a motto, I, a, a motto I adopted called Kintsugi. It's the Japanese concept of putting gold over the broken parts of, parts of pottery rather than throwing them away. It's symbolic to a Christ follower because the blood of Jesus covers over our broken pieces. And we aren't thrown away, but loved. Thank you so much for, for uh, bringing this up. I appreciate being able to come to church on Sunday and the fact that you and others helped me to experience Christ anew each week, 26 years in. 26 years in. And for those of us that are veterans, that is the same promise that we have with the brand new Christian, that we can, can constantly be made new. We can be renewed. And, and it, we don't have to hide our scars. We don't have to be ashamed of our scars. We don't have to be ashamed of the fact that we're not fully healed. And I love the symbolism of this, where you don't hide the scars. You put gold and silver on them and you show them and they add to the beauty. They add to the, the, just the allure, the attractiveness of the person because they are a trophy of the grace of God. Rather than acting like they don't have a scar, it says it treats breakage and repair as a part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise or discard. I mean, I felt, I felt shock waves go through me when I saw that. I said, that, that's what's up. And, you know, we give gifts to our 10-year-old Christians, 20-year-old Christians, 30-year-old Christians. We have four or five people that are 30 years old. They're getting one of those. I got to figure out, go on Amazon and figure out where to get one. I'm, and I got to get one. You know, although my body reacts when I go into Pottery Bar, a place like, place like I got to overcome that. I got to get some Kintsugi. All right? So, uh, but I love that, the art of precious scars. As we close out in the same way, and this is Paul writing years later, talking to Christians who were trying to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And he talked about that Spirit part that we talked about earlier, that we have, as Marina was sharing earlier, the Spirit of Jesus, the same Spirit who raised him from the dead, lives in us, and he enables us by the Spirit's power to heal. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anyone feel weak? Anyone ever try to pray and have no idea what in the world to say? Okay. This is good news for you. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And I thought, what is a wordless? I mean, you know, you ever like, our plumber was fixing our our faucets. He was like, like that's what the Spirit is just saying. Hey, he's in you and he knows you're hurting. And he's saying to the Father, I'm hurting in ways you can't even articulate. 
But doesn't that encourage you that the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and is with wordless groans expressing the depth of your heart so that God would heal your wounds. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So I hope that you will leave with some hope that healing is ongoing and it's possible and that God's on your side and that Jesus is working through the Spirit to heal you. What are you pretending? And that's a question if, if, if you want to take away something. What are you pretending doesn't need healing? You might think, oh, it's a little thing. Well, how many of us need healing and help processing the little thing that our mother or father said to us or didn't say to us in passing when we were five that still haunts us? Or maybe something that happened at work or school that we've not talked about. I would say let's try to stop pretending. There is healing and safety and honesty, but man, pretending doesn't get you anywhere. And I've been there, and I'm saying as an old dude, it's not productive. It's not helpful. This is a safe place we could start our own Me Too movement because when you talk about where you've been scarred or hurt, everybody's like, Me Too? Yep, here's my scar. Let me see yours. Oh, no, it's inappropriate. Okay, let me see this one here. You know, you'll find that we are all similar. We are treasures, God says, in jars of clay. Will you open up? Particularly if you are sort of considering following Jesus, I would encourage you. These are some of the, honestly, these are some of the best people in L.A. I'm just going to tell you the truth. It's, a, it's a, uh, an objective fact as well as a subjective opinion. Okay? It's true. You're not going to find a safer place. And I would say, what's at stake? What do you have to lose? You have to lose the potential of having your soul healed and freed. So I would say, please take advantage. In just a minute, we're going to pray for uh, communion, which is a time where Jesus' followers uh, were called by him to take some bread, to take some juice, to remember his body and blood, and to remember what he did on the cross for us. But I just want us, before we do that, to close our eyes and just imagine, take, take a minute to imagine what it would be like if everyone in this room went to Jesus with their soul wounds And rather than discarding or disguising them, treated them, you know, put as as like with Kintsugi, put gold and silver on them and as a display of this is what God can do. As I am a healing son or daughter of God. Imagine the freedom that we could experience and imagine the impact we could make as one healing person leading other people to healing. That's the prayer and that's the hope. Let's pray for communion. God, thank you for this time. Uh, The subject matter is uh, challenging for sure. And uh, God, many of us don't even know where to begin. We, We can't even trace back without a lot of effort where those original wounds, either self inflicted or inflicted by others, came from. I pray, God, that if people in here were wounded by uh, other people in a, in a, uh, obviously in a way that was harmful or that was scarring, I pray that they would know and feel your love and our love. But I pray that you would help us 
rather than run from or isolate or hide or deny that we would come to Jesus so that he can give us soul rest and so that we can follow him and so that we can have peace and so that we can experience healing so that the scars we have don't have to scar and dictate the way we live. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.